Welcome to a special edition of The Edge. The following is a talk the SSC Forum did at the annual Cloud Security Alliance event, September. It's called Breaking Down Silos with SASE, how C-leaders are driving digital transformation. During the talk, Jay and John discuss all things SASE, along with the most critical component of the framework, the human side. Joining the team on stage is Eric Skeens, co-founder and CTO of 3Tree Tech. Enjoy this special conversation. All right, so let's break down um, this technology called SASE, uh, the frameworks involved in it, and I'm going to have Jay give us a, a, a quick summary of what is included in SASE and what it, it attempts to uh, solve. Okay, so Gartner uh, introduced SASE architecture in 2019. Um, so you have the WAN edge services on the, on the left-hand side, and then in 2021, they introduced SSE on the right-hand side. Um, it's a whole bunch of acronyms. Um, Quite often I get asked what's the difference between SASE and what's the difference between SSE. Um, but obviously SSE is a security element and includes ETNA, CASB, and all of those security elements. Um, I think it's really important in the world we live in today. For me, the foundation under, underpinning all of these technologies is zero trust. And as George mentioned earlier, really that's the future of the way we should look at things, or at least that's what I believe. And I'm sure we'll get into that today. Yeah, for me, really what it is, it's a framework that really uh, attempts to overcome uh, if I'm breaking it down to a really granular level, uh, the dilemma that every security and network engineer is faced with uh, when they have to deploy a new application in this world of distributed applications, and then in 2020 now, this uh, distributed workforce. And that's, um, what do I favor? Do I favor speed uh, of, a, of an application, or do I favor security? And in the past, you could only choose one. And we all know which one was chosen. It was speed, because speed equals employee performance. Um, we can't have that anymore. Uh, it really needs to be bringing together the network sphere and the security sphere. sphere. So you need to have both speed and security. How does uh, this framework attempt to do that? Basically, it's taking all the security treatments and network treatments that we were in, very familiar with in the past, boiling them down into software, and placing them essentially at the edge in terms of points of presence. So um, that's really how I see this framework going forward, and it's much needed now given that applications uh, roam our world as well as our, our user bases and trying to secure them, trying to also consider the employee experience uh, becomes very difficult uh, given the legacy technologies that we've been dealing with. So let's get into it. Let's, uh, let's have a little fireside chat, shall we? <laughs> so I, I love that you kind of walk through a little bit of the SASE. Obviously, there's, it's uh, buzzword bingo when it comes to acronyms. Um, I'm, I'm going to turn this one over to John real quick. So while we're walking through all of these acronyms, all of these technologies that are starting to converge both on the network and the security side, uh, George actually, if you guys were here, George was talking about aligning resources. And we talk about technology a lot, but at the same time, technology effectively is something that continues to shift and change. Um, what, in regards to both from your past, um, previous career, working at Columbia Sportswear, you were over there for close to 20 years. Uh, how, do you, how did you marry up and aligning those resources? Because I know that was a big part of what you did. At the end of the day, you were trying to identify use cases and then drive technology to it, but then also bringing the right team to the party. How did you go about that at Columbia Sportswear, yeah, as I well think, as what you saw at Axis when you right. jumped over to the dark side of it? Yeah, I, I, one of the first conversations I had uh, with the founders um, when I made that leap over to, to a startup uh, in the form of Axis was um, 
how are we going to overcome the silos of technology? Uh, you, you have a, a network team that's very focused on uh, moving packets efficiently, fast. Uh, they're interested in routing protocols, uh, routers, switches, those types of things. And then you have a security department uh, that's very interested in uh, you know, basically uh, how do we secure the assets of the business? How do we maintain um, data integrity? How do we do compliance? Uh, and then you have another group here called the, um, what we call the end user compute team that's interested in how do we manage these devices, uh, whether they be BYOD, uh, corporate owned, so on and so forth. Uh, and then finally, the employee, uh, how do we make their experience uh, nice and good and, and, and performant? Um, that, to me, is the challenge that folks are dealing with on the front lines. Uh, these are conversations I'm having on a regular basis because they, unfortunately, a lot of them view it in terms of, I'm going to go with this vendor over here. Uh, and uh, that vendor may not align across all those different teams. Um, so as a result, you've got to somehow break down the silos. Uh, bring people together. Uh, how I did it, I basically removed my teams uh, and, and made them sit together. Um, I also gave them uh, goals and objectives aligned with where we needed to move forward with because they might favor a vendor, a technology, that's their history. Um, that's great, but time and technology has moved on. So give them uh, another opportunity to, to, to gain some more skills. And then finally, another area that um, I was successful in is uh, leveraging storytelling. So storytelling, uh, you know, the, the, the great journey that you hear out of Disney, uh, the, the, the hero, of the, you know, the story of the hero, uh, harkening back to Joseph Campbell's stories, uh, leveraging that in terms of the overall journey. Uh, and then you also have to talk about the different perspectives. So talking about uh, how do I perspective take from another opposing opinion or another opposing uh, group, trying to understand what they're after. And then finally, and we'll touch on this a little bit later, you've also got to tell a financial story. Because you're taking point products that in the past uh, lived on their own and, and lived within different teams, and you're starting to collapse them. And there's a whole financial element there that you have to tell. I appreciate that. Um, so to kind of add into that component, so Jay, what I'd like you to kind of talk about, so um, I, I want to dig in more on the customer side, so what that looked like from a journey perspective when um, you were on the manufacturing side. I know that you deployed a lot of that SASE model before it was called SASE. Again, all these acronyms, a lot of the technology itself and how we married them um, was way before the actual terminology came, to, came together. Can you walk through why and what you did in regards to do that with, within the customer you worked for back in the UK? Yeah, so I, I worked for a global manufacturer. It was highly regulated. We did some military-based stuff and some healthcare stuff, so we had a lot of regulation. Mm -hmm. um, I guess I had the luxury or the unpleasant advantage of being both kind of the head of security and head of architecture. <laughs> um, so my architecture head had budget, and my security head had no budget. Um, I, I could see that the world was shifting. I mean, we're talking... 2018, 2019, there was ransomware inside a threat. I was really concerned about these kind of flat networks. Um, and the fact that everyone could go everywhere, I was concerned about VPNs and the way they put people on the network. We had a lot of third parties. And I thought, I really want to change this. I really want to make us more secure. But I, I knew if I walked into the board meeting with my security hat on, I'd get rejected on budget because we never had any. Sure. We, we very much viewed the world as we haven't been compromised up till now, so we've done enough. And I was always saying, well, we don't know if we've been compromised. We may have been compromised. We just may not know. So 
But I, I, like I was saying, I knew that if I approached the, the, the board and said I want more money to be more secure, they would say no. Um, we had some issues, user experience, with kind of legacy VPNs. We were back all in traffic. We had an MPLS network was very expensive and slow performance. So I'm like, okay, if I take my overall budget and I can migrate to an SD-WAN, I can save money there, I can, and I did. I saved 60% of my uh, networking budget or, or kind of WAN budget by moving to SD-WAN, but I only gave back 30% to the business. I took the, the other saving and I spent it on security. And it was a bit of a smoke and mirrors, and I'm not saying everyone should lie to your boards, please don't do that. <laughs> um, but it was very much for me, I, wanna, I know that there are gonna be regulations coming. We had cybersecurity essentials, we had all these other, we had offices in China and Japan and we had a lot of threats. So I'm like, I wanna, wanna get ahead of security. I wanna do my best, rather than be compromised and go knocking on the door and saying, look, we've been compromised, can I have some money? Yeah. And go through all the pain that we were talking about <laughs> earlier in one of the other presentations. I'm like, I want to try and get ahead of the curve and, and try and kind of preempt these attacks. Um, so that's exactly what I did. I, I, I went on, I guess, a zero trust journey, we would call it now. I didn't know it was zero trust at the time. I didn't know SASE was going to come about or SSE was going to come about. But I deployed an SD-WAN. I went down the journey of a ZTNA 1.0 vendor um, and used the savings to do that and still handed back some money to the business. So I guess my advice to people here is look at your budget overall and not just at that one area because... Security is very much like adding wedding in front of everything. Everything becomes 10 times more expensive. Sure. I, I think what's important that you said there is um, you were able to save money uh, as well. Increase user increasing experience. user experience, performance, and also increasing your security posture. Uh, and people look at zero trust. They look at some of these new frameworks coming out, and they're like, oh my gosh, I need to spend extra money. I need to go ask for more. Uh, but at the end of the day, when you start to take an approach of consolidation, of looking at a platform, uh, the benefits to the business are, are very clear, and, and it seems that you saw that. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I was very lucky to wear kind of the CISO hat and the head of, security, uh, and the head of architecture hat, um, and that enabled me to use the architectural budget that I had to, to consolidate, to reduce those point products, to increase security, but really by telling the business I was going to increase user experience. And, and we did in the long run, but we also became more secure. Um, so I think if you are in an organization where you have a security team that's separate than your architecture team or your infrastructure team, make friends with them because they've probably still got the budget you don't have. Yeah. And make a step forward, increase that user experience, reduce those point products which naturally are going to reduce complexity and increase security anyway. Um, but look at your global uh, your budget as a whole. I think as you were alluding to before, people are very important. I have the luxury in the past of working for a Japanese company and knowing that you needed to get everything signed off before you actually turn up at the meeting. So go out and network, bring people in, bring all of the parts of the business in, say that you're gonna help them with user experience in their area and help someone else and help those remote connectivity users and help them being able to use to, uh, Zoom or Teams better and all of those, make all those noises and then when you get to that final meeting, you just get that rubber stamp, right? So. Okay. Yeah, and, and, and so what I'm kind of hearing from you is there's a component within the business, or at least from your side, when you're looking at architecture versus security, in some instances you might find some things that are commoditized. Um, and when you've got commoditization, you have the ability to find money and then be able to spend it on the things that are important. Um, what, and you kind of alluded a little bit to it and talked a little bit about it, is uh, it's this bringing back together the teams. And so you actually had the benefit of being able to head over both sides. But not everybody here has that benefit. They have two different sides. And sometimes security is the, the, the organization or the business unit of no. Um, and, and then you've got your network side trying to do things. 
and being able to bridge that gap. Have you seen some interesting things <laughs> to help bridge that gap? Because a lot of times you just have fighting in between the two of them. I think that's a conversation over beer. <laughs> I um, think it is. I'll, I'll let John go first and then pass <laughs> <laughs> in that grenade. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's, it's a lot of it is about perspective taking. Um, you've got a lot of times, I, I mentioned it, the network and the security team, and they can be diametrically opposed uh, because um, one wants speed, one wants security, and when you have uh, security, it slows things down. Uh, that's not the area that security needs to be. Security needs to be an enabler in the business. Uh, and once you kind of take that frame of mind that, yeah, we need to secure things, but we also need to enable things, I think there's a great opportunity for security leaders within the business today. Take a look at the landscape um, and what's coming down the pipe in terms of regulations. Uh, SEC now demands that uh, if there's a breach, you have to report that within a certain amount of time. Uh, New York DFS is another one where uh, risk-based authentication, compliance, so on and so forth. And uh, where it's kind of heading is security is going to get a seat at the table. For security to be successful at the seat at the table, they have to be an enabler. They can't be the office of no. And um, that's going to take some changes because my experience working with some of the people I've worked in the past, it's, it's slowing things down, uh, sometimes for the right reasons, absolutely, uh, but sometimes for the wrong reasons. And um, it has to be a collaborative approach. So how do you do that? I think you mentioned it. It's, it's take that person out for a beer, have a conversation with them, get to know them, understand their family. When you kind of get back to a human level, you start to find the commonalities, and that's where things start to change. So. I mean, for me, and, and the first talk we had um, with Joe Sullivan this morning shows how much pressure security folks are under. So I always wanted, I mean, I talked to myself in the mirror because I wore both those hats, so it was difficult. Um, I can see you talking to yourself. Yeah, 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 I did it all the time. Um, but, but if you're running an architecture team, you have to respect that the, the security team are under a lot of pressure. On, there's a lot of regulations, there's a lot of stress, there's a lot of anxiety, and it's a very difficult position to be in because as we saw before, one mistake can, you can go to jail, yeah. right? So try and make friends with that team. Try and understand what their needs and wants are. Again, I, I, I go back to the fact that a lot of the time the IT teams have budget and the security teams don't. Yeah. So they're relying on you to try and make things more secure. For me, it always comes back to simplicity and user experience. Yeah. If you can make it easier for the users, then you don't get screamed at as an IT team so much. But if you make it easier for the security team to do incident response, you can prove to them that the tools you're implementing are more secure and you're going to take, make their lives easier, then I think everybody wins. And, and yes, I'm making it sound very simple, like you can just go and make yeah. friends. But it really is about, you, you, we are one team. Yep. Security grew out of IT, and there's been this kind of separation because they've been seen as the team that says no. But, Everybody should be working together to make the business more efficient and really create a better user experience. And again, I don't have a magic wand, I'm sorry, but it really is about making people understand that if we work together, we are fighting the same battle. Because yeah. at the end of the day, if you get compromised, it's going to be the likes of the architecture team and the IT team fixing those problems. Security team might be the ones getting their asses kicked, but it's you guys that are going to be 24 hours a day sleeping in data centers, and we've both done that, and that's not comfortable. <laughs> no, not at all. They don't put cots there. You have to bring your own. Yeah. And then, and then you got the air coming out of the. It's cold. It's cold. It's very cold. Yeah. It's like being and back you don't in have England. a blanket. <laughs> I need a blanket. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna shift and uh, shift a little bit. Um, so John, you used to be known as Mr. SD Wan. 
Um, I know you've done you've done talks. Thank you, Mr. Andrew Lerner. Yeah, you've done talks, Gartner symposiums, all the things. You've talked about SD-WAN from very large stages, uh, and you've started to see this shift. And I know that um, following that, you've seen somewhat of a shift from this SSE model. Now it's the SASE model. Can you just kind of break down because a lot of folks here probably. One of the components is understanding what what the hell am, what are we putting together here? <laughs> right. Why is why are all these terminologies coming out? What is obviously what's the difference between SSE and SASE? But that's not. It's more of like how am I supposed to approach this in the first place? Because mm -hmm. everybody's telling me I need routers and switches at the office, but COVID told us, oh crap, some of this stuff becomes a little bit not necessarily redundant, but we can't use it. Right. Um, because everybody's worked from home, but now we're starting to go back. So you have this weird mix. And so can you break down a little bit of that for the tip? Yeah, I mean, where did SASE come from? Uh, originally, the, the concept here was SD-WAN uh, was this um, technology that really, from an infrastructure perspective, you had virtualization that changed how we deploy our servers and manage them from a lifecycle perspective. Uh, and then we had SD-WAN, which kind of was the answer for the networking from a wide area network perspective, because we had these distributed applications as well as applications residing in the data center. How do we leverage internet as a, as a medium for connectivity? Uh, the challenge with SD-WAN is it didn't incorporate security. It just didn't. You, you had certain choices you could make. You could buy an expensive firewall, deploy it at the branch, uh, high cost, high manageability com com complexity. Uh, you could um, route it through a data center. When you do that, you add latency, slow things down, CIO is not happy. Uh, or you could um, deploy small, your own POPs. That becomes difficult from a cost perspective to manage and capacity. Uh, as, as, and there was another technology called firewall as a service. So basically what uh, the, the Gartner folks were trying to do is find the answer to how do we secure SD-WAN. Um, and then they added in the other aspects of remote access very intelligently because of what happened in 2020. Um, but that's really kind of where SD-WAN evolved out of and why we got SASE. I think the key thing uh, to take away from it, if we look at SASE in general and some of the conversations that are happening from an analyst perspective, is there's a push toward um, platforms. So not buying uh, your LAN from a vendor, uh, your, uh, your wireless from another vendor, your wide area network from another vendor, then I think 76 security tools uh, was presented in the last session. Um, the idea is really to kind of bring it together because when you have security policies and your policy's written for a wide area network, a local area network in terms of NAC and, and tools like that, and then we also have this uh, user-based uh, authentication in terms of SSE, that becomes very complex to manage uh, these multiple policies. So what we're going to see now coming forward is this approach of a single vendor being able to, or a single platform, being able to kind of encompass not only the LAN, the SD-WAN side, uh, but remote access and, and the SSE side. Um, that's where we're gonna see this consolidation continuing in the industry. So we don't have 76 security tools, uh, five different mechanisms for the LAN, so on and so forth. It's gonna kind of start to come together and we're seeing that in the industry. Uh, it's still early days, but um, that's where we're headed is consolidation and a platform approach. I think CISOs and CIOs have been talking about consolidation for decades, right? Um, my personal opinion is I think we're starting to see some of the technologies around now that can actually help with that. It's not just a pipe dream. I think it's raised from being in the top 10 of kind of a CISO's requirement is to con consolidate. I think it's probably in the top three now, if not at, at number one. Uh, and for me, we, we've said this before, it's all about simplicity. 
Yeah. Right? If you can consolidate the number of tools, then you make things simpler. There are less human errors, therefore you'll become more secure by default. And again, I know it's easy to say the words, but I do think the tools are following along now. And really what Gartner are doing is, is they're trying to push in that direction to say, look, that simplicity is key. They don't necessarily mention simplicity. Yeah. But I think we all have to agree, and everyone in the audience, I think, will agree that less point products is a good thing, right? Yeah. So. I mean, it, it, you're, you're right completely on that in regards to simplicity because security, whether it's a SOC or a NOC, when you've got to look at multiple UIs or multiple GUIs in order to get here, or you've got to go to um, CLI or whatever it might be in order to solve for something, now you're kind of looking for how do I solve for this, or where's the problem coming from? Well, what it's, is the root it's cause? Expensive. It's expensive from, uh, um, to get employees, uh, you know, full-time engineers. They're, they're not growing on trees these days, especially in the networking space and security, definitely. Uh, how, I don't know what the 700,000? I don't know what the number was. Uh, but uh, resources are very difficult to get. And when you have point products trying to kind of stitch it all together from a break-fix perspective, oh my gosh, it, it's, it's just challenging. So uh, if we can consolidate, go to more of a platform approach, make things, and you said it, simpler, because uh, simplicity is the friend of security. Complexity, that's helping the bad guy. Um, so tending to move in that and in, in, in thinking about it from a cost perspective, thinking about it from a manpower perspective, simplicity is, is um, an accelerant for security. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when you talk about your, your uh, security being the office of no, um, and that portion driving some of the things inside and being able to slow things down, that's where you want to get that simplicity, because simplicity does lead to faster. Yes. Um, and you want to make, uh, I have a good friend that always talks about, for threat actors, you want to make chaos out here, but internally everything should be predictable, but you've got to build it appropriately, and it has to be simple in, inside in order to have the ability and the forethought to build chaos out here. Yep. Because if you have chaos in here, then right. it's, it's an easy, it, you're, you're sitting duck. So we talk about journey? I think we should, we're four minutes left. Yeah. So I'll let you have this slide. Well, thank you. Um, okay, so really, I guess your journey to SASE, you can start wherever your biggest business risks are, and that's where I would advise you start. Um, where we actually see most people starting is um, with third-party and contractor access, that's still the biggest threat, BYOD. Any kind of device where you can't put an agent, but they're still remote. We still live in a world, a hybrid world, where a lot of people are still remote. VPNs, legacy VPNs are a big risk. You've got internal kind of attack surface where people can go everywhere when they're connected. You've got that external attack surface. Add on to that, enterprise VPNs are still kind of a big risk. There's a lot of those legacy VPNs around. But you could start with the SD-WAN side of things. You could start um, if you've got MPLS. Uh, and, I, and I did this journey. I mean, we, we've got a pyramid here. I did the left and the right at the same time. My experience is, as I said before, MPLS migration to SD-WAN, so start yep. on the right-hand side. But I'd use the money that I was saving from starting on the right to start my journey on the left. Um, and really, I, I guess it's all about user experience. Wherever you have difficult user experience, wherever you have business risks, start in that place. Um, John, I don't know if you want to add. Yeah, I, I think what I would add here is that um, I mentioned it earlier. Uh, this slide, you really want to reference it in, in terms of a financial journey. Um, if you think about the multiple point products that you're going to consolidate um, and how you have to understand depreciation schedules, understand where support ends, how do we uh, you know, get ourselves off the, the older technologies and onto the newer technologies, to me, that's the, the key piece here. 
The journey itself is um, not something you can partake or undertake in a day, a week, a month, six months. This is really a multi-year journey, uh, and that's the way you need to think about it, uh, moving to a SASE-based model. Uh, but again, to your point, it's really what problems am I looking to solve? Hybrid workforce, or is it uh, connectivity and security for my branch offices? And it's just a matter of where you start, but can think of it as a journey. Yeah. You're constantly moving forward. I, I think the key thing is is not to try and do everything at once. Yep. Little bites. Don't boil the, the ocean. Yeah. Um, so step by step, set yourself an achievable deadline, achieve yeah. that deadline, and move on to the next thing. I've, I've seen many companies and spoke to many CISOs that have got a five-year plan. And it's like, okay, you might get budget cut if you don't show any progress in the next six yeah. months or 12 months. So get those early wins yeah. and, and generate the momentum behind the project. Yeah, one thing I talk about this journey is I've watched this team here and some of their bosses walk through with a customer, not looking at technology, specific technology, but actually using what you see up here, this pyramid, to walk through a journey for a Fortune 200 company that's got global locations, all these things, and they were looking for somebody to partner with that really knew the journey for SASE, not, not access security, not HPE, none of that, but actually looking at and coming alongside them and saying, here's the journey, let's start, let's figure out where you need to start and where we can pick things off. Cool. And on that, um, we'll just reference the podcast that Jay and I do. Uh, it's called The Edge. It's our passion project. Uh, really came out of COVID and not having those conversations that Jay and I enjoyed with a lot of other people. Uh, but check it out. And then today, we released a podcast featuring Mr. Eric Skeens. So if you want to learn more about Eric and his role and what he does, uh, I think we also talk a little bit about rum, too. I, you know, yep. Fancy I'm for rum. I'm a rum guy. So, so uh, that's at the end of the podcast. Give it, a, give it a listen. It's on all the major uh, pod catchers out there. So, yeah. We also talk about pineapple on pizza and how you shouldn't do you, it. You had to bring it up. No, it's fine. It's good. You had to bring it's it up. Not, it's great. No. Yeah. Oh. You did oysters yesterday. Yeah, but not pineapple on pizza. <laughs> pineapple oysters. I think that's next, pineapple yeah. oysters. But thank you very much for coming, and I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, thank yep. you. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this discussion, please give The Edge a like and a follow on your favorite podcast service. And also connect with the SSC Forum on LinkedIn. Get all the latest updates and news on the phenom known as the Security Service Edge.